Hello everyone, this is Leveling Do. I am Raimi. And this is Dakota. Today is our, what would we call this again? Pilot episode, level zero, whatever you want to call it. Yes, it's our pilot episode. We're going to discuss our favorite game franchises, the ones we've kept coming back to, I guess, is the best way to put it. Or you could say it's series that we kind of fell in love with at early ages and kind of like really got us into the gaming community in the first place. Yeah, I guess we could say that way. I didn't get into mine until 2004, so I was already in my teens. Well, for me, I guess I was just a early nerdy child. My first video game was actually a Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo. However, the game that really got me into like the love of video games in general was the Legend of Zelda series, specifically Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. I like Zelda, but my go-to game is Halo, like Halo Combat Evolved, 2001's release. Well, I'm not the only person. A lot of people liked Halo Combat Evolved. Mm-hmm. It started a whole first-person shooter thing. Oh, yeah. Multiplayer and all. Well, Halo kind of revolutionized a lot of gaming mechanics and the idea of how video games were supposed to work collectively with their player base, not just the gameplay itself. Yeah, multiplayer. I think I played it on multiplayer before. I played it on the school's PC as a demo. Oh, me too. Before I ever got into the game itself. Halo 2 was about to come out before I even got into Halo, before I even got an Xbox. And look at you now. You've got a book collection. You can more or less like give the entirety of the lore of the Flood. and. <laughs> oh, I love, I love them. Know. I finished the first game, and in between the first and second game coming out, I found out that there was a series of books. The first one being uh, The Fall of Reach, which if you've played Halo, you know that they made it into a game. Mm-hmm. Not exactly per the book. Yeah, it was. It was not per the book. It was the last game Bungie had a hand in before mm. it became three four three industries. As for Halo itself, the lore is great. If you dig into it, you have to get into the books. The first game didn't go as deep as the books by the no means. Mm. I don't know if there would have been as much lore if they hadn't got the author that they did. I've stuck with the series through thick and thin. <laughs> it's yeah. had its ups and downs. I would say equally so with a lot of Legend of Zelda. Like it has been, like in my opinion fairly well received by all those that play the games which every game has its ups and downs regardless the first time i ever had like an issue with a zelda game which was for game boy color it was legend of zelda oracle of seasons i'd actually gotten both uh, oracle of ages and seasons respectively because they were two games that had been released essentially around the same time to kind of help with promoting the game boy yeah and they worked with a uh, pretty cool secret system to where you could interact the games with each other through their save files. Because I played Ages first, and once you beat the game, you were given a code. And if you went and started a new game in Seasons and entered that code, it would register in the game that you had already beaten the other one. And so it would change game dialogue and some items that you would get and stuff like that playing in game versus like the vanilla mode. It was kind of like a a pseudo new game plus because you didn't like start off with anything special other than the fact that the game registered that you had already become the hero of the other game and had now essentially traveled from that realm to this realm and continued your adventure. Because you had the only way to get the quote unquote true ending of the games was that you had to play and beat one to completion, get the code, or secret, and then uh, you had to 
you play, like for me, I played Ages first, played it to completion, received the secret, started Seasons, put the secret in, so I started the game from there. But then, unfortunately, I soft-locked the game later on and was never able to complete it. So to get the quote-unquote true ending, I did what any child would do, you know, back in the early 2000s. And I went on the internet and uh, looked up what the code was for if you beat Seasons and started a new game in Ages and played it through that way. Because uh, each of them had, like, their own respective, like, last boss that was not Ganon. Cool. However, they were both servants of Ganon. Oh. But if you, uh, spoilers, uh, (laughs) play through to uh, the end with the secret code, you receive uh, new cutscenes and you uh, a couple of new bosses. You beat the final boss in the game like normal. Yeah. But then, uh, because how it registers that you've beaten the other game... And the flame had been lit in that game. Uh, it's like, well, okay, well, these two have died. The flames have been lit. So they bring back Ganon anyway. You actually have a kind of a Easter egg fight with Twin Rova, I believe, who is an old boss that was first introduced in Ocarina of Time as the mother of Ganondorf. Oh. And servant of Ganon. Yeah. You know. And you fight her. And then you go, and once you defeat her, uh, she sacrifices herself in, you know, loyalist fashion (laughs) and uh, uses her body as a sacrifice along with the flames that were lit by the two enemies that you uh, beat and were able to resurrect Ganon. However, it was not a full resurrection, and he was kind of just like a mad beast. And you defeat that boss, and that is, quote-unquote, the true ending. And then you receive the Triforce again, and uh, you get transported back to Hyrule. Because actually, the cutscene for the very start of each game is... uh, I'm not sure if the link in these games is supposed to be a link from a previous incarnation game. I believe he is, but I'm not 100% for sure which one. But you start off with uh, traveling to Hyrule Castle in cutscene fashion on the Game Boy. Yeah. And you walk into the Triforce chamber because you are hearing a voice calling to you. Well, you go and once you touch the Triforce, it says that, you know, there's a, you know, such and such land needs you. So they teleport you there. And then you encounter your respective Oracle and continue your adventure from there. I did not know any of this. And if I heard it, I... It's very convoluted, and I know I make it sound extremely convoluted, which, in a way, Nintendo, no offense, has a way of making some of their lore convoluted. I believe there's quite many people that will agree with me on that. I, I agree. I've heard that it is coming right off the tails of the release of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Which I am currently playing at the moment. Might possibly do a episode one day on talking about it, but I don't really feel comfortable in talking about it too much until I've actually really played it and beaten it. I have beat every Halo game that I've got into, just because I might not have beat them all on every difficulty, Mm -hmm. which is, you talk about the codes and things at the end. The only way to get a few different cutscenes, perhaps, out of Halo is by playing on, like, Legendary. You get Sergeant Johnson hugging the Elite and all that stuff. Different intro in Halo 3, he'll say some different things. And then in Halo 3, they introduced the skulls, like the different things you could do. As in, 
grunt confetti when you shoot them in the head there's confetti <laughs> it makes a little cheer for you and confetti flies <laughs> and you get the pistol it's real good at it other than that and the weapons you gravitate towards when you're playing on different difficulties you need the plasma pistol and the needler kind of thing or a mm-hmm. standard pistol in halo plasma pistol one to take the shields down and want to shoot them in the head one time. The lore in early games just wasn't as deep as Zelda by no means. Or convoluted, I'll give it that, you know. There was a big question about how Sergeant Johnson survived the Halo incident in the first Mm -hmm. game, but it's covered in the book, The Flood, second Halo novel. When it comes to, like, Legend of Zelda as a whole, like, all the games are inherently interconnected with one another, like, through their universe. However, thanks to... The creators, I should say. Like, and again, no disrespect to them, but the series, like, I know it's not like, wasn't necessarily their intention with trying to have a lot of people, like, break everything down and try to, like, throw everything together and try to make sense of everything and then demand to have, like, some sort of, like, canonical... Link between games? Yeah. And, like, everything has to be interconnected with one another. Because, I mean, like, at the end of the day, it is a video game. It's there for entertainment purposes and for them to make money and for you to have fun. With that in mind, like, I don't try to, like, hold the divine timeline up on some sort of pedestal. <laughs> like, like I know that there's been, like, official, like, stuff released, but it seems like there's always, like, something that's retconned or changed every couple of years that seems to change something. And it's like, I don't know. I, it's not super duper important to me exactly which games, like, were the first versus others. Yeah. However, like, at the end of the day, as long as I have fun, has an interesting story, that's kind of the point. Because, like, each Zelda is inherently that, in and of itself, is its own game, its own self-contained legend. I preferred them as standalone titles before I even learned about the connections. Like, there's been some games that are, like, connected to one another or sequels to one another. Like, the first one would be Ocarina of Time, which is the timeline splitter. And then the direct sequel to that game was Majora's Mask. But what about Zelda 2? Well, technically, story-wise, uh, Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link is a direct sequel to Legend of Zelda, the original release. So, I was wrong in the sense of Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time being the first direct sequels. Actually, 1 and 2 were the direct sequels. However, uh, I remember reading about the lore in this game a lot. And this mentality is this particular Link, who had rescued Princess Zelda from Ganon in the first game and defeated Ganon, uh, is approached by Impa and is told of another Princess Zelda that is actually an ancient princess of the kingdom. And as that story goes, in royal drama fashion, uh, (laughs) she uh, was next in line to the throne but had a jealous brother, which also is, I think, one of the only times I've ever heard of a, you know, royal family having more than one royal heir, because it seems like they only ever have a Princess Zelda, and then that's it. But this prince uh, was jealous of the sister and conspired with a wizard, a dark wizard, as, as one Zel- does, as yeah. one does yeah. how the series seems to do, to try to overthrow the kingdom, and uh, succeeded in doing so by placing that princess into a eternal slumber, which also inadvertently also kind of gave her... Childhood trauma? Gave her, like, a sense of immortality, like she never aged. Oh, that's not childhood trauma. No. Well, I mean, I guess it is, <laughs> considering she was kind of, like, put into, like, a magically induced coma. And then in this adventure, uh, he goes on a quest of... Let's see. Uh, this is a famous uh, crystal quest, 
where uh, to awaken the slumbering princess, he has to travel to these different temples located throughout Hyrule and uh, collect the six like purifying crystals that can break the spell on her. Which, in this game, is also the first and I think last time that there's ever been uh, two instances of a Princess Zelda. The Legend of Zelda 2, uh, that was the very first direct sequel game in the franchise, which it also being the very first and second game of the franchise makes sense. But then after that, they kind of went away from the whole mentality of continuation a, a cycle that way, and started doing more standalone games. Yeah. But they were still all interconnected. Uh, for the Halo franchise, they were consecutive until you got to Reach, and it was a prequel, and not well received. Halo 4 was a good game. I liked it. It's when you got introduced to the Didact and the Forerunners, if you hadn't already read the books. They made some prequel books about the Forerunners that came thousands of years earlier. Other than that, they've been, like I said, consecutive stories after that as well. Halo 4, 5, Infinite. Yeah, I've heard uh, some pretty good things about Halo as a whole. With the exception of the Halo series that uh, recently aired in, what was it, last year? I heard a lot of people that were like hardcore Halo fans were like disappointed. Yeah, disappointed. They changed it so much, I watched it because I don't want them to stop making it. But I would not be adverse to a complete reboot already. Understood. <laughs> There's a lot of differences. I, I don't want to get into like that kind of spoiler, I guess. So. Also, too, as a disclaimer, uh, we will do our best. If we uh, are potentially going to talk about any kind of topic, that would be considered a spoiler. But for some things, if it's like five years old, we might be like, yeah, spoilers. But like, <laughs> you've had more than enough time to find out if you haven't already. Yeah. But we will try to like warn our listeners beforehand so that way we don't try to just full on spoil something for you. I don't avoid spoilers most of the time. I try to avoid spoilers until I play a game. I mean, I could try, but... With TikTok we'll and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, it's just... It is very, very hard. It's like Game of Thrones. There's just too many memes to avoid the truth. Pretty much. Going forward in the series, I guess we will talk about individual games, not just a whole franchise or series. Yeah, like, for the most part, we're just two friends. We've known each other since early elementary school. You're always cool with me. I always try to be cool with you. Like, you've always been pretty decent. It's the main reason why, like, you're still my friend. <laughs> we've known each other so long. We've known each other for quite a while now, like... Since elementary school, like you said, early yeah. elementary school. Yeah. Like, and I don't think we want to necessarily discuss just how old we are, but I'm a 90s child. I put it that way. I'm a extremely early 90s child. You're starting a 90s child. <laughs> I was there for the start of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like... Kind of a weird in-between generation there, kind of growing up with the advent of some technologies becoming very commonplace, and especially with video games. Because fortunately, like, we grew up with video games not being quite as demonized as it was, like, a decade or two before we were born. Yeah, well, no, they, during the, the early I mean, aughts, they became the big boogeyman again, all this, you well, know, true. violence in the world. Yeah, like I, rem I remember there being a lot of campaigns for like, you know, like violent video games promoted violence among children. And I'm like... The Grand Theft Auto problems. <laughs> yeah, which I'm not going to try to get into like those kinds of issues necessarily because that's how you personally look at it. But I will say this, as my personal opinion, I do not believe video games make people violent. I don't either. 
if anything, I feel like video games can be a good therapy for some people to let out aggressions that do build up throughout the day as a healthy way of doing it. Yes. We don't see enough violent sword-related incidents in the world right now for video games to be a real cause for it. I mean, you yeah. just don't see. Well, I mean, like, you do try to, like, some people will, like, try to throw stuff like Call of Duty under the bus and stuff like that because, especially, I mean, don't get me wrong, especially a lot of your listeners out there, if you've been in any kind of online lobby, yeah. you know that there are trash talkers, people that get so angry, will curse, and just, I don't know. Like, don't get me wrong, everyone can have a bad day, everyone can get frustrated at the game, but at the end of the day, remember, it's still a video game. It's there for you to have fun, be entertained, and if it's making you that angry, then maybe it's time to take a break and come back to it. I have that kind of look on things when it comes to Dark Souls, but that's for a whole other reason. Take a break, come back to it. But now, like, you do have to have a certain level of uh, masochism, I think, to be like a hardcore like Dark Souls enjoyer, because... You enjoy the the aspect of just failure over and over and over As again until you get it perfect. Yahtzee Croshaw says, trying to break down a wall with your forehead. I mean, hey, eventually you try hard enough for long enough. Yeah, you do it. You do break through that wall eventually. And I think another good reference for that is uh, one episode of Doctor Who. The, the, the billions of years worth of... Punching the yeah. diamond wall. I mean, like, eventually, I mean, like, he he did it. The it's sea a... around him was full of skulls, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, spoilers, I guess. Late spoilers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when For any Doctor Who fans out there. <laughs> uh, like, if I have to say, though, if I have to pick a favorite Zelda game out of the entire series so far that I've played, because I haven't played them all. There were several on the DS that did not play. Did not play Skyward Sword on Wii. Did not play Wind Waker on GameCube, but my favorite of all time so far is Twilight Princess. And mainly for that, I guess you could say is just because I enjoyed the kind of darker tone that the overall game world had. And I thought it at the time it was extremely refreshing for me as someone that, I don't know, like I used to in school, like I wasn't necessarily like one of the gothic or emo kids, if you want to call, you know, label like that. But that was a Edgar Allan Poe fan and stuff like that. So a little bit the dark and macabre I always thought was a little bit more realistic. And I kind of like the mentality of it being a little bit more gritty and, you know, throwing some like extra feelings and stuff into the mix uh, with it not being so much just, oh, boy goes on adventure to save princess from big bad. Twilight Princess took the approach of like you took a local farm boy who had no aspirations to be any kind of like hero or anything. And literally the girl he liked and the village children got kidnapped and he went on a mission to save them and inadvertently got sucked in to being the hero of Hyrule and the Twilight Realm on top of everything else and defeating Ganon, which for a long time, actually, if I'm not mistaken, Twilight Princess was the last installment that we actually saw Ganondorf and Ganon respectively for Quite a few years. I believe Breath of the Wild was the first we had seen of a Ganon in a while, which they changed it to Calamity Ganon. Yeah. Uh, and then now with Tears of the Kingdom, the new release, uh, this is spoilers for anyone that uh, 
has not somehow seen the trailer that they have been playing over and over and over again, you know, like since the last <laughs> uh, time they talked about it for like, what was it, uh, a year ago, two years ago when they like were it released was, that trailer? It was constantly showing up. and We finally have Ganondorf back. Ginger and all. Yeah. Or as internet likes to call him, Ganondorf. I've heard that. He gets real buff, like... Well, he goes from, like, withered mummy to, like, he... Emotep. <laughs> he, he rehydrates. Yeah. Like, fully rehydrates. He, <laughs> he sits back there and just drinks nothing but, like, ten gallons of sugar water. I just go... Pfft. It happens so quick, from what I gather. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've avoided a lot of the later game footage. Well, I mean, like, as a Legend of Zelda fan, like, I'd have to say that more than likely the Triforce of Power... Has a, something it's to, a sugar water. My favorite Halo has been Halo 4. It was a much deeper story than you get out of the Halos, which mm-hmm. are first-person shooters. You don't have to have a, a lot of story. It doesn't story. have to be like an in-depth RPG storyline where there's like a whole multitude of legends and lore and everything. I mean, like, as long as the info's there and it progresses the story, that's the main thing. Yeah, you had things like Medal of Honor who tried to have stories. Did a pretty good job, but it's all the same story, mostly. It's World War II days back then. And then you had Doom, first-person shooter, and Quake, which had some semblance of a story. A slideshow with a single line of text before you popped into somewhere else, usually. Something like that, that kind of story. And then Halo had some. Halo 2. Halo 3 had some good story going to it. And then Halo 4 just blew it out of the water. Halo Reach tried to do that, and Noble Team, people liked them, but they, they did not like the story. And for no other reason, they put Dr. Halsey, the creator of the Spartan program, in Halo 4. And she's just as sassy as she is in the books. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spoilers, like, one thing I was always kind of sad about, as far as Halo goes, was the uh, betrayal of Cortana. Oh, yeah. And that whole like part of the story kind of going down like i don't know every single detail to it but just in what little bit that i've seen i don't know it's just i think it's like one of the saddest moments of the franchise because at that point like you just constantly ask yourself like why which i mean like you do find out why yeah but at the same time you're like Damn. Yeah. She had something of a redemption arc in uh, Halo Infinite, a little bit, kind of. A little bit, but... I liked Cortana, but I was always in it for Master Chief. I mean, I... I, won't I know. Lie. I know. I know, buddy. Like, <laughs> uh, considering that you have, like, a life-size replica of his head I up have on the your bookshelf. I original Halo 3 Collector's Edition Master Chief helmet containing the Halo 3 games from release night at my local GameStop. Mm-hmm. I know there's newer ones out. No, this is the original. The visor is starting to fade a little bit in bad ways. I've tried to take care of it. I got it in my bedroom. I can sit and look at it all the time. There's a big difference in there. What you, we would say are the genres that got us into the games world. But yeah, like, they they done what they were supposed to do. They, they got us into a world that was outside. Yeah, I and mean, then like beyond there, like I'm like a big RPG fan personally, but that doesn't mean that I play only exclusively RPGs. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I've played a few shooters, I've played a few hack and slash, a few platformers, you know, like, I've got my Marios, Spyros, Sonic, Jack and Daxter, definitely a few racing games. I was a big Burnout fan back in the day. Was, I mean, like, not hating on Need for Speed too much, just... I was a Forza guy. Well, I mean, like, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I like Forza too, but I mean, just with Burnout, I just like the mentality, because it was just nothing but go really fast, and then you just, you just kind of crash and wreck. I think the first driving game I ever, ever tried was on, I can't remember what PlayStation it was, one or two. It was, 
It was Driver. That's what it was called. And you. Well, my very drove. first driving game ever was actually Crazy Taxi. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> now that is a game. <laughs> I I don't know anything about it. It's just the name of it. I think I've heard the name. Literally, like it was a arcade game. That, oh. uh, like I'd play like when I go to the movies or the local mall and stuff at their arcade there. But the whole premise with Crazy Taxi was that you just uh, drove around as fast as possible. Like you would stop, pick up people, uh, but you're on a constant timer. And so the name of the game basically was to like play for as long as possible. So in every time that you would like pick someone up and drop them off, you would make money and you would get time added to your stuff. Yeah. And also too, as you drove through the environment as well. But, like, when it's when I say crazy taxi, like, you're going, like, 80 miles an hour, and then you hit, like, a hill, and then you go airborne. You're just, you know, like, you should be dead. The passenger should be dead. But it's a video game, so you're not. And the entire time is your passenger is just complaining constantly about your driving and the fact that they're in a hurry. They can't have it both ways unless they want to hire something. <laughs> it's a video game. Yeah. What, what, what can you expect? And then they made a clone of that game. That was a Simpsons. I have seen that. I went to my cousin's house and he had that and was playing it. So I remember that. Yeah, that was basically just like a Simpsons clone of Crazy Taxi. Okay. Same premise, just everything was Simpsons. He was hopping around. Was it Springfield? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where he was driving around. All these iconic people. But I'll let you know on a secret. I've never watched a full episode of Simpsons. I've only watched the movie. It's kind of so iconic, it's hard to not know a little about it. Yeah, like Simpsons growing up. I watched a few episodes here and there, but I was more of like a Cartoon Network Toonami kid back in the day. My mama raised me watching scary movies. Yeah, I didn't watch too many of those growing up. My family wasn't big on the whole horror, dark genre. Uh-huh. A little religious, so they kind of viewed it in a certain light. So I was late to the game. Well, it didn't traumatize me. At least I don't recognize any kind of trauma in myself. I wasn't afraid of the dark like most kids. That might be because I was just introduced to that kind of stuff early and it didn't bother me. The only thing that used to really bother me when I was little was clowns. And then I kind of like grew out of that. Just as like a disclaimer for some of our listeners, like we are going to be talking about like games from our childhood, but we are going to be talking about like just games in general that we have played throughout our time gaming. And recently, we have gotten into a lot of tabletop RPGs. So, <laughs> yeah. at some point, we may end up switching over and doing an episode or two on our favorite tabletops, going from there. Another podcast I'm on called Brother Knows Quest. It's a podcast with my sister, Beth. And if you want to listen to it, I'll put the links in the description of this episode to the website. You can use your favorite podcast provider to find it from there. Yeah, you guys should definitely check them out. They do a pretty decent job. They're kind of a hoot. <laughs> we try. Me and my sister Beth also have another podcast called Horrific History and Hauntings. It's about all the things that the history books don't include. It could be ghost stories, which of course shouldn't be in history books, or terrible events that's happened, or weird bits of history that we feel they should be covered. We try to make it funny. You can also find that link in the description below. But yeah, essentially, uh, Duo Leveling will simply be a podcast about me and Raimi sitting here reminiscing about games that we've played from the past, fun times, good times, bad times, things that we like, things that we don't like, and just kind of sit here and conversate about it. We're just two friends talking in a podcast, talking about games we like, and trying to have a good time while we're doing it. I had some really good games I can't wait to talk about. Me too.
All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening this week. Uh, this has been our pilot episode of Leveling Duo. Again, this is Dakota and our co-host. Ramey. Uh, hopefully, you guys uh, enjoy listening to us and tune in every week. We're going to be trying to have an episode drop every Monday. So that way you guys can tune in, listen with us, and feel free to leave comments, uh, suggestions for future episodes. We definitely want to hear your feedback. I have a Twitter set up for this account. It's a podcast network. It covers all the podcasts I'm in. It is Gruesome Gaming G. That is the Twitter handle. Excellent to hear. It doesn't roll off the tongue, but it'll cover the basis. Well, again, guys, uh, thanks again for listening. I hope everyone has a wonderful evening. Wonderful day, wonderful morning, depending on like where you're at and when you're listening. Uh, this has been Leveling Duo. Don't forget to save your games, level up, and have a good time. See ya.